Hi, and welcome to Pentecost Today podcast. I'm your co-host, Steve Mancini, and as always, I'm joined by the Executive Director of Pentecost Today USA, Alicia Hartle. Alicia, welcome. Thank you. It's a joy to be here. And Steve, I am very excited to welcome all of our listeners from all across the nation, all around the world, many renewal leaders who have been faithful for decades, some who are just discovering the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. So welcome to all of you. And as always, we want to begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, As we come before you boldly and humbly as children of the living God, Father, we we exalt you, we praise you, we thank you, and Father, we lift up to you everyone who is listening today, and Father, we lift up to you this this episode and our guest, Lord, that there would just be such an outpouring of your spirit that falls afresh on each one of us, Lord, that there would be a coming of the kingdom of heaven here today in our midst. We pray all of this for your honor and glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Alicia, we have a very special guest today, but I do want to highlight something that you had mentioned before is the thanking our listeners. I know that you and I have spoken about this, and we are, I cannot express the gratitude to the people who are tuning into us every week across the world. I mean, we talked about this the last time. I mean, 40 countries. I mean, it's all about spreading the word, and we sincerely want to thank our listeners from all over the world. You are making this possible, and we're hoping that we're planting seeds that are going to you know, sprout fruit at some time. So, Alicia, you know, I know you appreciate it, and I just wanted to say that as well. Absolutely. So we, we are excited to, I know that we talk every week about baptism in the Holy Spirit and the charismatic gifts and really how we see those testimonies of the fire of God's love being ignited through the power and the love of the Holy Spirit in individuals' lives, in their ministries, and in really oftentimes practical ways that we can look for in our own lives. So today uh, we'll kick off with a quote, and then we'll introduce our guest. Sounds good. And uh, again, the quote is so apropos from what you just said is this is something that I personally have struggled with. And so this is coming from the Doctrinal Mm -hmm. Commission on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the question is, what makes charisms different from talents or skills? And according to the Doctrinal Commission, charisms are not merely natural endowments or acquired skills. They are supernatural gifts that either enable what is humanly possible, such as healing or miracles, or enhance a natural gift, such as teaching or service, to a level of supernatural efficacy. So uh, again, there's a a big difference between, hey, I can go out and, you know, do something wonderful for people versus, you know, I can go out, speak in tongues and heal people. They're both gifts, or they're all gifts and talents from God, but one goes above and beyond what the other one is. Would you, would you agree with that, Alicia? I actually... <laughs> no, that's okay. This is yeah. a conversation. It is. It is. It's so good to dive into the gifts. And actually, I think our guest can speak to this, yes. but I love how St. Paul says, you know, the Spirit gives to each one gifts, and it's it's mysterious, it's glorious, each one receiving different gifts. And um, and really, there is, so St. Paul says, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and and then goes on to kind of unpack that. We'll save some of that oh, for yeah, our absolutely. guests. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because it, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I tell you what, it's it, funny because you said St. Paul, and if I may, I'd like to read another quote, yeah. because again, and this is going to... 
And don't worry, Father Pete, we're going to get you on. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, that's <laughs> no, good. So, you know, what is a charism then of the Holy Spirit? And Paul's teaching on life in the Spirit is a necessary context for understanding the charisms of the Spirit. So a charism also called a gift. That's from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 or working or manifestation from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, of the Spirit, is a gift freely bestowed by the Spirit for building up the body of Christ. And again, we have a wonderful guest, and we're going to talk a lot more about this. So Alicia, I'm going to let you introduce our guest today. Fantastic. So Father Peter, we are very excited to have you here with us. Father Peter Mary Emmanuel is originally from Nigeria, but currently serving as a Catholic priest affiliated with the Diocese of Kingston and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And he serves um, in many different ways. He serves in teaching at St. Joseph Convent in Kingston. He serves as a spiritual director within the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in his diocese. And um, we're very excited, Father Peter, to have you here with us in Pittsburgh because in a particular way, when Father Peter came to Pittsburgh as a graduate student, he arrived at Duquesne University and helped to start Opus Novum, which is a Catholic charismatic prayer group on campus at Duquesne University, arriving here in Pittsburgh in the 50th year of the anniversary of the Duquesne weekend. So extraordinary guest here with us. Father Peter, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be on the show today. Absolutely. And Father Peter, before we dive into some of the discussion that we kicked off the, today's episode with, it would be wonderful for our guests just to hear about your upbringing and your, your own personal background, so where you grew up, what your family life was like. It would be tremendous for them to have that insight. All right. I'll be very happy to talk about that. Something that I've shared often, I grew up in a very devout uh, Catholic family. My both parents were very, very devout. There is a story which I never knew until I entered the seminary. Uh, I had uh, three older siblings who were boys, and my mother was, when my mother was pregnant with me, she was uh, longing and desiring to have a female child. But my dad said, never mind, that uh, this child, whether it's a boy or girl, we have to sacrifice this one to God, to either become a priest or to become a nun. Fortunately, I was born, and my parents did just that. As a child, I noticed that my parents were more particular with me. So when I was told that story in my later years uh, by my older brother, because my parents had passed at that time, uh, it made sense to me to understand that uh, they were trying to put me in the path in which they have actually made commitment to God to raise me up as a child that is destined to become a priest. So my parents were very particular about me, and they would encourage me to study the scripture, and they would encourage me to go to daily mass and to pray. Prayer was a very important factor in the house. So, but the turning point was between age 1 to 11, I would say that I'm just an obedient child of my parents, but I don't think I was an obedient, complete and obedient child of God, in the sense that I just go to church, like any other person goes to church. I go to block rosary prayer. It's a group where children pray in the evening at 6 p.m. 
Sometimes I love to go, sometimes I don't want to go. But my parents keep encouraging me and all of that. So, but something happened when I was 11, approaching 12. A night before my mother passed, she encouraged us and spoke to us like normal, and I never thought she was going to die the next day. So it happened that the next day, on 11th of January, she, after the, about just a few minutes past 6 a.m., she died. It was after her death, then I decided to approach a priest who I consider to be my first spiritual director. And I went to him and I asked him, how do I become holy? The lesson from my parents could be summarized in three. First, my parents encouraged me to be holy. And to be holy, I ought to be prayerful, I ought to fast, I ought to be disciplined. Number two, try to keep your purity, keep your purity of life. Number three, whatever you do, be honest in everything you do. To work on that first one is to seek direction which I went to that priest and the priest told me, Peter, you've been coming to mass, you've been, you've been, you've been a good boy, you don't know what it means to be holy, I said, please tell me. And he asked me to go study the life of the saints, which I did and that became the turning point for me. It was at that time that I completely made a decision to pursue God and to pursue holiness of life, to pursue everything of God. I would say that is when my baptism of the Holy Spirit was affirmed. Uh, so that, be, that continued for a long time until later years after my high school, after uh, some form of discernment, I entered the seminary and I continued my journey up to the priesthood. It was while I was in the seminary, my brother told me the story how my parents had consecrated me at my bed. They consecrated me, offering me to God that they desired that I become a priest. So I could see the connection how my parents tried to build that holiness in me, that consciousness of God in me, that uh, discipline that they want me to imbibe on, to put on in my life, and to God be the glory, I was able to take after their lead and make a commitment to God to serve him fully after the death of my mom. My dad died three, three years after the death of my father. But then I was already strong in the faith, so it wasn't that difficult to cope with. But I would say that their death was a blessing to me in the sense that God was able to use their passing to strengthen me, to get me closer to him, to make me understand that I do not have anyone to depend on but God. I think I will leave it there because the story is so long. You know, I, I, I've written, uh, I did so, when I was doing my spiritual direction program, I did what we call spiritual um, uh, origin map. I was able to trace how I started to the point where I am today. That was able to help me to reflect and look back to how God has been so faithful with me. God has, been, God has blessed me despite my shortcomings, despite my unworthiness. He still continued to purify me. He still continued to work with me. He continued to make me understand that I'm his beloved son. And all that I need to do is to just strive every day to be one with him in truth and in spirit as the scripture says.
in John chapter 4, verse 22. Father, let me ask you a question. When you, you made a comment, you said there was, when your parents died, you, there was sort of a, a, of a, of a gratefulness because it, it kind of opened up your eyes a little bit to understand more. When you studied the lives of the saints, was there any saint that stuck out to you? Because the one thing that we as humans have a problem with is we struggle with why suffering, why pain, why bad things. And a lot of the saints experienced very, very bad things in their lives. They struggled with their faith. A lot of them were persecuted. Was there any saint that stuck out to you that you could relate to the most? Yes, uh, I can. I yes. I read a lot of saints, and uh, the the life of the saints continued to inspire me. In fact, I deliberately chose to be ordained on the 14th of August because I have it. I have a connection with Saint Maximilian Kobe, but that was not my first. Uh, that wasn't the saint that made the first impression in my life. Kobe made an impression in my life when I was going through my 33 days of total consecration to Jesus through Mary. Now, when I started studying the life of the saint, one of the very first things that appealed to my emotions, my feelings, and everything that captivated me was St. John Vianney. And I read a part where he fasted for 365 days just to win the souls of the people he was sent to who never understood the word of God. Uh, how he was able to use that to win them over and send the whole place to become a pilgrimage center today. Uh, the life of St. John Baptist actually also taught me that he was able, despite serving God, he died for the sake of the good news. Uh, there were many other saints, uh, in fact, all the Johns uh, really inspired me, and that was why when I wanted to be confirmed, I chose the name John because there were so many of the Johns that I was inspired. I was inspired also by John of the Cross. I discovered that in my life, I have experienced some form of uh, John's experience and that night of the soul and all of that. So I would say that the saints have actually played a big role in my life and they continue to play that important role in my life because I get consolation from them, particularly the time of desolation you look up to them and see that they too have gone through this suffering in the past and they were able to win this battle because they stayed focused on God who has called them into this life. Father Peter, your story is so inspiring. Your faith, the way you trusted in the Lord and sought the Lord, especially in that place of desolation, in that place of grieving the loss of your mother and your father and really remembering the lessons they taught you about the call to holiness, to purity, to honesty, and and then just pressing in. It's it's so beautiful to hear you testify. And I think you know, I think there's there's a grace that the Lord has just poured out all around you from the time you were young, in many ways through that that grace of being consecrated by your parents to the Lord, um, even before you knew it. But it's also, I think, awesome for those who are joining us to hear the story of how the Lord brought you from Nigeria to Pittsburgh and specifically to Duquesne University, what that experience was like, 
and even how the Lord led you to start a new prayer group. All right. Uh, before I go into that, I'd just like to say something very briefly. Uh, I remember when my parents were alive, uh, they had encouraged us to do what we call the total consecration to Jesus through Mary. And at that time, there was this practice that was introduced, though now I can have a better understanding of it. There was this practice that was introduced that when you want to, when you go to the consecration for 33 days, on the 34th day, you'll be consecrated and you put on a brown scapular. And in putting on a brown scapular, you have to give up uh, meat or give up something you love. You have to give up meat and, or something you love, and that will remind you of your spiritual commitment to remain pure, to keep your purity of life and not to define that. I remember when my parents were alive, I struggled with that in the sense that I love meat. But as part of my pursuit of holiness after the death of my parents, the first thing I did was to enroll myself in the total consecration classes. And I did that 33 days, and I was consecrated. And I will say, from the day I was consecrated on May 31st, to this day, I have not tested me. I sacrificed that part of something that I love so much, something good to, that continue to remind me of something much important. Now, if I could sacrifice that, which is good, why do I pick up sinful lifestyle? That is the connection that I established, mm -hmm. which reminds me always to say, no, you can be better than me. Continue to strive, regardless of the challenges and all of that. So as a, as a member of the renewer, I've been in a renewal from my childhood. I love God. I love God. And he has been there for me, regardless of my unworthiness. He continued to purify me through different life experiences. And I really appreciate God in that sense. So when I was to go to America as a student to study, I was so happy that I, I was going to Duquesne University and based on the story we have read back in Nigeria, we have read the story multiple times that the, uh, the Catholic Charismatic Renewal started in February 1967 in, by students of uh, Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. I was so excited, happy that I was going to go to the place where this started. With that excitement and all of that, when I arrived, the first thing I did was to look for this group. Where is this group? I started searching, I asked questions, and I was told that this group doesn't exist anymore. I was surprised and I was shocked. I was disappointed. I was really, really disappointed. I would say I was frustrated. Oh, what do I do? So I began to pray, I began to pray, I began to talk to God, I began to listen to Him. I spent most of my hours in the night to pray, which I see is a practice in my life today. I love to pray at night. I remember uh, in those days as a student at Duquesne, I spent the night at the chapel in, uh, in Duquesne because the chapel in the, the church in Pittsburgh, in my parish, downtown, St. Mary downtown, usually they love the place. But the chapel in the school is usually open until 2 p.m., 2 a.m., sorry. 
So I would stay there to pray. I remember sometimes the security would come and ask me to leave. That is time. And I would, sometimes I would have to plead with him, please, can you allow me to stay on the street? And all of that. So on this particular night, I was in my usual place, praying at the chapel there. I was praying. And I could hear the Lord speak to my heart. I want you to start this group. I want you to establish the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. I said, wow. There was a little resistance there because, one, I was just new to the country. Secondly, as a graduate student, I don't live in the campus. And I need to start this group probably with students in the campus. How do I go about that? I was worried. And I continue to pray. I continue to ask God, what do I do? And one other time I was praying again in the same place in the chapel, the Lord told me, I will get you someone that will help you to establish, that will journey with you to establishing this group. I was so happy that he was going to send someone to me. I was seeing myself like Moses and perhaps that person would be like Aaron. Though I'm not a Samara, but I will see myself as Moses. <laughs> so I continued to discern, continued to pray. Then I began to put together the, 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 the write-up for this group. I began to put out the structure, how it will look like, based on the structure that I understood back from both. Begin to put up some write-up, some constitution, some documents, hoping to start as soon as I found this person. Then one day I was in my parish in downtown. Then I, was, I finished my prayer and I was about heading out. I met some freshmen who just came to Duquesne and they introduced themselves as students of Duquesne. I shook hands with them and we spoke and we laughed and we all dispatched and they left. I remember shaking hand with, uh, I shook hands with one of them and we spoke more than others. But I didn't have his name, I didn't, I remember the face, I didn't have his contact. I was praying one night again, one night, and the Lord ministered to me and said, that young man that you shook hand with was the person that I asked, I want you, I want him to journey with you to establish in this group. I was so happy. But the problem, the struggle here is how do I get this person? How do I find this person? You see, discernment in the spirit is very important. Uh, it's good to also pray. It's good to also be vigilant. Continue to pray until one day. I usually don't attend the early mass at the king because I work in the school and usually I, I, I choose the night shift. The night shift sometimes uh, finishes at, uh, at 8 and the morning mass is 7. This time around, I wasn't going to I wasn't working at night, so I usually do. I usually uh, don't come to school early that time. But something asked me to come to school and attend the mass at school. So I came and attended 7 a.m. mass. Just when I was praying, I, just, I came into the church. I prayed before mass. I just stood up to see it on the pew. I saw this brother. I quickly ran to him and said, we the one that I met at St. Mary of uh, Mercy downtown last night. He said, yes, yes, yes. Wow, what's your name? He said, his name is Peter. I said, oh, my name is Peter Swell. Wow. 
And I said to him, do you, have an, do you know anything about the Catholic charismatic renewal? He said, yes, yes, yes. I'm a member at the seminary. So, wow, that is good. Now, can we start this Catholic charismatic group at the school? Because I discovered there is none. Can we start one? He said, yes, yes, yes. Let me think about it. I said, no problem. Don't, there's no point thinking about it. God has already done it. That was the beginning. I told him we can start right away. Let's decide when to meet the chaplain. I have everything ready. I'm just, I've just been waiting for you. You are the right man. And I asked him, can you get me any of the freshmen that is your friend? And as soon as we get those students, we approach the chaplain and we get it started. And on, on 15th of November, we went to see the chaplain, Father Chris, and we explained to him we want to start the Catholic Christmas Renewal and all of that. He gave us his permission, gave us everything, and asked us to use the chapel. So on the 16th of November, the next day, the six of us gathered in his chapel, and that began what we call the Opus Novum Catholic Charismatic Renewal, Duquesne University today. <laughs> Sorry, that was a longer... No, <laughs> not at all. It's, <laughs> It is so beautiful to hear the story, to hear your expectation, your anticipation of what you would expect, and then coming and saying, oh, Lord, you know, what, what do I do with this? And just seeing how the Lord led you, especially through those times of just coming before the Lord and being in the Lord's presence and then receiving direction, um, not only direction, but a fellow student to start the new prayer group, Opus Novum, um, really to journey to make that journey with you so thank you for sharing that story father peter what what an awesome gift it would be wonderful i know i I kind of walked with opus novum and i would see snapshots of how the lord was working but i remember you years ago saying you know we really focused initially on building a community of love on building a community that really um, entered into a sacramental life And so it would be great to hear from you, especially for those who are saying, you know, I feel called to start a prayer group. I I have this burning desire to enter into charismatic prayer and to cultivate life Mm. in the spirit and the charismatic gifts of the spirit. How did how did the Lord lead you to begin as you worked with the Duquesne University students? Yeah, I would say that uh, I think I missed just to make a correction. We started on the on November 15th of 2018. We actually met uh, Father Bill uh, Chris on the 14th of November, and we started it the next day. And I would say that um, everything depends on our disposition to work with the Holy Spirit. To will something and to desire something. And to go for it, knowing fully whether the grace of God will always be sufficient enough for us. One of the sisters that was in the first group, uh, one of the, uh, Ali, was among the first set of members. I remember at that time, she was struggling. She wanted to be... There was this concept that, oh, you need to have a boyfriend, you need to have this, you need to have that. 
I remember one time we made a trip to Old St. Patrick Church. We spent almost the whole day there discerning and praying, and I had to do a series of teaching with her, making her to understand that sometimes there's a certain lifestyle when you get into it, it becomes difficult to discern what God is calling you for. Sometimes when you get into a relationship and you're not mature, boyfriend or girlfriend relationship and you're not mature, it hinders you in discerning God's will. That God may be calling you to become a religious, God may be calling you to get married. We don't know that yet. All you need to do is to respond to the call now to enjoy your life as a single person. Build relationship with God. Be prayerful. Be honest. Be strike for holiness. And I'm happy to tell us today that she is in a convent today. Just like we have two other brothers from our group who is in a convent today. Peter Malampali is in a seminary today. And Brother Xavier was, is also in a seminary today, all training to become priest. So in starting a prayer group, it's all about the determination. What is your purpose? The purpose is to establish a group that will help to foster the kingdom of God, to move the wealth of God closer to people who may not have it. Our goal in establishing Opus Novum Catholic Charismatic Renewal is to bring fire back to Duquesne. Duquesne is established under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I feel that it is not coincident for the renewal to begin with students of this school because the school is established under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Also, one of the other goals we had was to help people to understand that the mass is very important. So we foster holiness of life. We foster communion in the spirit. We encourage our members to go to mass as they, as they can to establish a deeper relationship with Jesus through the study of the scripture and through daily life. So my encouragement to anyone who wants to start a prayer group is to first of all have a clear direction of what he or she wants to achieve. Remember, when I was about to leave the U.S. to, to, to answer the call of coming to the Caribbean, I, was, I had this fear that, oh, this group may not go forward. I was praying one night and the Lord said to me, put every document in order and leave it to them. They will work with it and they will run with it, not just work with it. They will run with it. I want to say today they have not run with it. They have been flying with it. I did the document. I put everything, the structure, the different different style of, of having prayer meetings and all of that. Constitution, and make sure that the group is registered as one of the school ministries in such a way that we have our rights and privileges. No one will come tomorrow and say, oh, we don't want this group to exist as a kid because we have our rights and privileges. All of that went through hard work. I remember I had to go back and forth to ensure that the school approved our constitution and put it into law that we have been established. So it's all about commitment. It's all about trusting the law. It's all about not, don't trust in yourself, just trust in God. And submit your fear to him. I had a fear. 
are the concern and I present it to God. And I see God work, He worked out everything out for me because He understood it wasn't my work, it was the work of the Holy Spirit. Father, let me ask you a question. Someone once told me, the Lord does not call the trained, he trains the called. And when you started this organization, you, by your own admission, you said, I, I'm new here, I don't know anyone, what do you want? And he, and he puts the pieces in place. And you've discerned this. There are a lot of other groups where people feel that the Lord has called them to do this. But these groups, maybe they lose steam and after you know, 10, 20 years, they kind of disappear. What do you think is the challenge as to why different groups will disappear? Because like you said, when you got to Duquesne, which is you know, kind of the, one of the main starting points for the charismatic movement, and yet they don't even have a group, why do you think these groups fade away? Okay, I think uh, one of the reasons uh, a lot of groups fade away is consistent prayer life and lack of teaching. Teaching in the sense that uh, I spend time at the initial part of the group to do a lot of teaching what it is all about. The goals and purpose needs an mission, which is not our mission, it's the mission of Christ. We are only participating in this mission by aligning ourselves to be used by God. So the moment we step out, we understand that this is not our work. This is the work of God that he invites us to participate in. So when we are able to let go of ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to take control, I must tell you the truth. We went through a lot of battles. Some members, uh, we, we went through a lot of opposition from one of the campus ministry uh, staff. It took wisdom, it took grace from God, it took a lot of discernment to be able to fight that battle. So that was where the group would have collapsed. That was where the group would have been destroyed. But because we understood our purpose, we understood our, we knew what we wanted, we continued to navigate around the challenges allowing God to take precedence. We didn't fight with, with the campus uh, our minister. We didn't fight with any of those persons that were opposing us. All we tried to do, we tried to be respectful. We tried to be loyal. So some of the times, the group, sometimes some members feel they are so powerful. They are so holier, they are holier than the church. They don't want to respect uh, some of the lay down in the church. This happened back to my country. Some members who are so gifted, so power, so blessed by God, God have used them in doing great work, felt that they have, they have this gift of exercising the ministry, they are more holier than the priest, and they wouldn't listen to the priest. They wouldn't obey simple instructions. Some of them let the Catholic Church establish their own ministry. Same thing happened, some members remain and they become so hostile. So disposition is very important because when God calls us, he, he gives us the grace to move ahead. He gives us the tools, particularly when we ask him for the tools. It's not our work, as I said. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of God. So my advice in a nutshell 
will be to first of all identify what is it that we want to achieve with this group. Are we gathering in order to continue the work of salvation by, allowing, by bringing folks to participate in the work of God? And if that is our mission, and everyone is in line with that mission, then we begin to see how to move it from that point, bringing up different ideas, different suggestions, and getting advice from others who are in existence. Collaboration is important, and all of that. Father Peter, thank you for sharing. You know, I think it's it's so incredibly beautiful to hear just the grace of the Lord bringing basically a, a signal fire, not only to this nation, but to the whole world through the return of a charismatic prayer group on campus at Duquesne University. And I think there is something, too, especially here in the U.S., initially everything was new. So even campus ministry at Duquesne University, Patty Mansfield will talk about within a week they were asked to not meet and have prayer meetings on campus there at Duquesne University <laughs> because it was brand wow. new. It was it was so fiery, so different, so extraordinary. So there's there's a very special grace that the Lord has used you to bring the fire of a charismatic prayer meeting back to Duquesne University and in a way that it's integrated into the student governance. It's just beautiful to hear you share how the Lord led you through the steps of faith to follow him and to really follow the Lord's lead. I think, you know, as Steve asked that critical question that, um, you know, I think many in the nation will ask, Lord, why why is this prayer group fading? And And I just, I think it's, it's so beautiful to see how the Holy Spirit is father of the poor. So in some places, um, there are prayer groups, I believe it was in the 1990s, Walter Matthews will talk about, he said, you know, Alicia, there, there was this growth of charismatic prayer meetings that was extraordinary, prayer groups at parishes. And, and he said there was, there was a beautiful invitation to go and renew the parishes. And he said it was phenomenal, mm. you know, whether it was faith formation, evangelization, there was just a beautiful grace of infusion into parish life. However, he said oftentimes in different places, the prayer groups would continue on or maybe even not. And oftentimes because maybe there was a teaching gift lacking, as you had shared, or maybe simply because there wasn't a large enough group to have a fullness of the charismatic gifts operating in that time of a charismatic prayer meeting. So just intriguing. I know there are many, many other reasons that we see, especially over history. We've, we have now over 50 years to look back and to learn from and to really hold with open hands before the Lord, crying out to the Lord for wisdom and really learning those, those lessons afresh. Um, but I do want to encourage those who are listening, whether you are starting a prayer group, whether you are seeking the Lord to strengthen a prayer group, or whether you are in a prayer group that is just on fire, and whether it's a depth that the Lord has given you over decades, and um, and you are seeking the Lord, and the Lord's taking you into greater and greater depths of life in the Spirit, regardless of where you are, I want to encourage you. There was a renewal office that reached out to me and just shared their story. And they said, Alicia, we thought the renewal was going to die in our diocese. We 
as a renewal office, felt led by the Lord to intercede and to pray, and then eventually to start prayer driving the perimeter of our diocese. And I thought, glory to you, Lord, that in the face of, Lord, why why is this fading? Why is this awesome, glorious grace fading? What do we do? You know, seeking the Lord in prayer and then responding to the Lord's call to something that is radical, that is extraordinary, that is this prophetic act of intercession. And they said it, it took years but they started seeing the Lord stirring up signal fires of a return of the Catholic charismatic renewal in their diocese. And they said, you would not believe like a young men's Bible study reaching out to them and saying, can you come and give a life in the spirit or a parish that's two and a half hours away saying, can you come every week and help us to put on a life in the spirit and just seeing these first fruits of glorious times of sometimes difficult intercession for that particular diocese. So I want to encourage all of you out there, regardless of where you are, to maybe seek the Lord and ask the Lord if the Lord is inviting you to deeper intercession. And so, Father Peter, I know you you have a class to teach, and it's very gracious of you to share this precious time with us, your incredible story with us. We're we're very humbled to be able to meet with you. We're humbled to know you, to hear your story. And um, we would love to invite you, especially as those are saying, you know, where am I coming into a place? Maybe like Father Peter and saying, Lord, are you, are you inviting me to take a step in faith to help bring a prayer group to this place? We would love to invite you to pray for all of those who are listening, especially those who are praying about starting a prayer group, whether it's in their family, in their neighborhood, in their workplace, in their school, or maybe maybe in their parish. So we'd, we'd be humbled to receive your, your intercession and your blessing, Father. Yeah, I will, I will do that. I'm willing to serve in any capacity that uh, I'm being called. Uh, just to add or just to maybe add a closing uh, uh, thought, I want to say that um, uh, one of the things that I have learned, I learned very early, was never to ask the question why. Try not to ask the question why. You would hardly get an answer. In my life as a person, each time I ask God why this, why that, I never get an answer. But when I ask, what does your grace want of me? Like, for example, I, did, I never asked the question, uh, yeah, if I if you ask the question, why did a group die as a kid? you have an answer. But that answer, should help, that the response we get should help us to come to ask the question, what do you want of me in this situation? Beautiful. Beautiful. That was the prayer that I was praying. What does the Lord want of me? And what did he do? He gave me the answer of what I should do rather than asking the question, why, why? Because the why question make us sometimes to be, continue to lament, continue to be worried, and all of that. So my advice to any group that is falling apart, what is the Lord asking of you to do in that prayer group? What does he want to do with it? When we continue to ask that question, it shows a sign of submission. Because the question why depicts hostility. God is God Almighty. He knows everything. So when you bring that into the context of situation of things dying, you want to say, okay, I want to be submissive to God. God, I'm ready to be, for me to be used in whichever way you want me to. So what do you want of me? 
From there, I think the conversation, the Lord will be able to give a clear direction rather than continue asking why. Why is the group dying? We may not have answers to all of that, but we can always have answers from God regarding to what we can do. Thank you, Father. That's a very insightful information. And as always, you know, we want to thank you for taking time out. If you could, Father, just give us a closing prayer before we leave, we would be grateful for that. All right. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ever-righteous King of glory, we thank you for this opportunity to be here once again to share about all that you've been doing in our lives. For as many of your children out there listening to us, and those who are going to listen to us, Lord, we ask you to bless them. We ask you to come to their aid. You know all our hard desires. We place them in your hands. We ask you to continue to use us in a way in which we ourselves may not really understand. We ask you to continue to bless the works of our hands. We ask you to continue to guide us and continue to be our inspiration. Heavenly Father, we commit this program into your hands. We ask you to continue to bless the organizers that they may continue to grow from strength to strength. And your mighty God bless us all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. We know you're a very busy man. And for our listeners all over the world, we want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us. And we encourage you to please go out to PentecostTodayUSA.org. Again, that's PentecostTodayUSA.org to learn more about the charismatic movement, to learn about the renewals movement, and to go back and watch some previous episodes where we talk about a lot of these same topics that are very important to helping all of us grow together in ultimately seeking and finding the Lord and bringing the Spirit into our lives. So we want to thank you very much, and we hope you have a wonderful and blessed rest of your day.